What's up, guys? It's Casey, and I want you guys to head over to our shop, www.studynotesava.com, and check out some cool new merch we have. Right now, I'm drinking out of my new favorite water bottle. It is so cool. It is 32 ounces, like insulated for 24 hours, keeps it cold or hot. And it's so cool. It has an ABA concept on it. It says, drink your water and a little thing that says response prompt and stimulus prompt. And you'll see why when you go check it out. We also have the coolest new negative reinforcement to-do pad. It has the coolest stuff, pre-Mac principle, all behavior concepts on it. It's going to get you to not only drink your water, because that's also a part of the pad, but it's going to get you to get shit done. So head over and check out the new merch. Study Behavior bitches. Hey guys, it's Liat and Casey, and we are here with episode 109. Casey, take it away, sis. All 109, right. what do you have for us? Episode 109. Today we have a grad student here whose thesis is on the line. Meow, Casey. I love it. Okay. We I do, do what I have can. a we do have a grad student here, and I'm excited about today's episode because I think a lot of people listening are also grad students or working as RBTs, and so I'm sure you're going to find this very relatable, different things we talk about. But before we get started, it is time for our review of the day. You know, we like to build ourselves up before we get started, but today I decided I'm sick of hearing Casey only pick reviews that are about her. So I'm going to do a more humbling review for the both of us, okay? The review is one star, and it is called Cringe by JTK210. The blatant sexual overtones and crude language are just cringy. Well, I'm fucking sorry about that, JTK. Really didn't mean to offend you. Please do not feel you have to listen, but please go back and fix your review to five stars. Thank you. I actually read that one in the um, one of our episodes on sex. It was like funny because we were talking about, I think it was with Mona, the dominatrix. And I was like, oh, I have to read this review. Okay, fine. We could do one good one then. What was your one you had lined up? Okay, I'll read a good one. That's like totally not starting <laughs> off with the reinforcement. <laughs> Although I like the humbleness. Okay. Millennials unite. Okie dokie. Even though I don't know if I am a millennial, but that's okay. I act like it. So five stars. I just started listening to this podcast. Yes, I'm a little late to the party, but I absolutely love it. I started at episode one and found their application and explanation of ABA so relatable to real life. That's the point, right? And she was hooked, or I was hooked. As a lover of all things psychology and behavior, 11 out of 10 would recommend. I already feel like Casey and Leah are my BFFs, and I want to hang out with them in real life, and not just my 35-minute commute to work. Well, thank you. This is from Amazie2, so thank you, and Millennials Unite. I feel like that's like Power Rangers, right? That was like my age. I don't know. Chelsea's like yeah, a tiny you just, baby, You just aged yourself. Okay, but I do want to say, if, if you do feel like you're our best friend, you're probably ours too. Mm -hmm. And I want to let you guys know that this year, please God, nothing else happens along the way. We planned this. Do you know what I'm get, where I'm going, Casey? I do. Which Casey. reminds me, we still have to book a hotel. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. Please put that on your to-do list next to you right now <laughs> so we don't forget. We are going to be at ABAI this year. And by the way, Casey... Sorry, everyone has to listen to this. You know my friend Shay, the one who has the Dyson blow dryer? Yeah. Hair twirler? Mm -hmm. She organizes events for her office. So she 
for a legal office. So she said, Liat, I'm going to help you organize like a behavior bitches study notes event, like at a bar there one of the nights. I'll take over all of it, make sure it's organized so cool so everyone can meet up together. So if you guys are going to ABAI, and this is not sponsored, trust me, we have to pay. It's expensive. (laughs) We know it is expensive to go to any of these events, let alone get a table. But we will be there, and we tried picking the coolest location table that allows for more hanging out because we would love to meet all of you. So just want to add that in. Yes, we are. It's uh, Memorial Day weekend, which is kind of weird that they'd put the conference on that weekend. That's like a bummer. It's like the kickoff of summer where I live. And guys, guess what? It's in Boston, which is my neck of the woods. So Leah has to fly her cute little butt across the country. I don't really know if Texas is really across the country. <laughs> I was at a bachelorette party. This is my last thing. Off topic. Peanut butter and jelly. I'm sorry. I was at a bachelorette party this weekend. Some of my like best childhood friends. I don't really see that. Like We were like went to preschool together. And like one group there had said something and I was like, this is so mean girls. It was like, what's our motto girls? <laughs> I'm like sitting there listening and it's like fit in or fuck off. I'm like, it's <laughs> ridiculous. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, totally. I'm like gag. Anyways. And then you're like the, like the Orthodox Jew who like doesn't fit in because you had fit to have bought. And couldn't even go on the tour bus. I, I just want to make bus. you laugh. So, like, I'm at this because, like, this is like the girl whose bachelorette it was is like my best, like, like child. No, she's friend. not okay. Okay, all right. Childhood. childhood. I'm glad you threw that. Childhood out. friend. And so she was like so happy that I just, like I went and it's Shabbat and it was like the one actual bachelorette thing that I could go to because it was at a hotel here in Dallas, like a whatever, like a staycation. And Friday night, there was like everyone went to the steakhouse in this hotel, like this fancy whatever. I had already had Shabbat dinner in my room before. Yeah, cold schnitzel. Like that sounds awful. <laughs> I would break my that. religion that day to go to the steakhouse instead of eating. No, I still went and <laughs> okay. everyone's there and I'm like Brooklyn. And by the way, guys, just so you know, like I'm observing the Sabbath. So I can't use electricity, use my phone, you know, write, do any of these things. So I'm like, like I see people like on their phones at the table, of course, right? And I'm like, Brooklyn, I want you to know I am so here for you. Like I am so present. I don't have one distraction. Oh, yeah. I am so here, which is actually like a wild concept. Like I was like kidding, but not mm-hmm. because it's like I didn't have a phone. So I really was there. And so I was paying attention to all these things being said, like fit in, fuck off. I didn't miss a fucking thing. <laughs> let me tell you. Okay. Anyways, uh, that's, that's my story from the weekend. I got it. I like it. I've been with you on Shabbat and you totally are like reading a book. You're like Zen Liat, like reading a book and like all introspective. And then like the next day, the second sh- Shabbat ends, you are like back into the phone. You, I could literally drop a plane on your house and you would be like, huh, what happened? <laughs> You're totally right. <laughs> I know. All right. I'm excited for today's guest. And without further me ado. Me too. Me too. Me too. Sorry. Okay. Okay. All right. So this girl reached out to us. Um, we usually have BCBAs, but we don't judge. I think it's amazing. This girl reached out and was like, hey, I'm a grad student. I have all blah, 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 this experience. And I'm like defending my thesis. And I like am into narcissistic, not into, but like went through narcissistic relationship. And I had, I was in grad school during COVID. Like it was just this great email. So I reached out to her. We met her and I love her energy. 
She has been an RBT for about four years. She's currently um, in her last semester at University of Northern Texas. Where North she's Texas. I know. I knew I was going to get that wrong. So I just wrote UND. <laughs> Hashtag Dr. Phil went there. Dr. Phil, if you're listening, you know, I'm your girl. <laughs> She's currently defending her thesis, which is on cultural behavior science, which I read the abstract. I did read some of the thesis. I have no effing idea what it is. And she's going to be here to tell us all about it because she wrote it and um, she's going to defend it to you guys. So it's on the line. Just kidding. All right, Chelsea, welcome to the show. Hi, guys. (laughs) Thank you for the awesome introduction. Of course. (laughs) Okay. Also, before we start, Chelsea, I've been following you on Instagram. This girl is like this tiny little blonde cutie pie who climbs rock walls. Like I, you are actually hanging upside down and jumping and leaping to these other things. I don't know how you do it. I, I'm just in awe. Like when did you start that? I think I started it like, it was about the same time I was in grad school, I guess. And It's been my saving grace. Let me tell you, if I didn't have rock climbing, I wouldn't have gotten through this shit. Jeez, it's amazing (laughs) to watch you. I love it, though. So everybody out there, go, like, hit up your local rock climbing gym, okay? (laughs) I can't even do a push-up, let alone carry my body from, like, one little tiny peg to the next one while you're actually inverted 100%. Here, we can can try it in Boston at ABAI. We can, I'll find us a climbing gym and we can just. Okay, I I need to start on like the easiest wall ever, like one step. I got you. I got you. 90 (laughs) degrees. Do not put me under. I can't. All right. (laughs) I promise. (laughs) So Chelsea, um, why don't you maybe tell us a little bit about yourself and your experience with grad school, how you got into the field and what's going on now? Yeah. um, So I started... Um, my like my undergrad, and I ended up being a speech language pathology and audiology undergraduate major. Um, and my last year in that program, I decided to come get a job um, at an autism center, and I really fell in love with behavior analysis. And I decided, hey, I'm not going to be an SLP anymore. I'm going to go be a BCBA. So um, I had never taken a behavior course. I had never step foot into any of the classes, the labs, nothing. So I applied um, for grad school at uh, UNT for behavior analysis and got in somehow um, because I didn't have the grades. I didn't have the GRE score, but I kind of like networked in there. And now I worked your way into the podcast, uh, right? It's all about the networking guys. It's all about the networking. No fear, right? (laughs) I try not to. I mean, you see me on the climbing wall, so (laughs) it's wild. Um, but I just really fell in love with it. So I got into the program and, you know, I started that three years ago. I'm a third year grad student right now. Um, I did, uh, a lot of stuff while I was in like my graduate life. Um, you know, we started out and it was like super cool, all this like new stuff. And then COVID happened and then we all just wanted to kind of die a little bit. And we're still here. Well, we're still here. Um, I'm still breathing. But it was crazy because we had all these opportunities. So UNT is like a three year or more in person in-depth program. It's not just applied behavior analysis. You're learning about autism. You're learning about cultural science. There's neurology labs. There's animal labs. Like you can do really anything 
that you want in this program. So when COVID hit, everything started like falling apart. Like everyone was going online. We can't get a hold of everybody. Your mental health just went down the toilet. It's gone. It doesn't exist anymore. So it was crazy. Um, but thankfully we had like a big support from the department and not only each other, like kind of pushing us through COVID and we still got to have some cool opportunities. So I got to, um, do this cool project on like private events. We love private events. Oh yeah, um, girl. So I, I did a project on that. So I was really self-deprecating and I was actually going through a really hard time about my second year. Um, I got like put on antidepressants for the first time. I had to take an incomplete in a class. Like I was thinking about dropping out. I didn't know what to do. So I started this little like project through one of my classes. Um, and I like intervened on my self-deprecating private thoughts. And that was a super cool uh, project that I did. And then... Um, Tell us a little bit more about that. Like, oh, okay. How, what, did, what, did look, what did that look like? Because I, I need to like take notes right now. Yeah, and okay. implement this on my own behavior. Trust um, me, I re-implement this project frequently. <laughs> I'm sure everyone listening also is like, Sometimes you wake up like, I'm just a piece of shit. Like, why didn't I work out today? Why didn't I do this? Right. Do you mind if I operationally define what a private event is for one second? Oh, yeah. So if anyone's listening and you don't know what it is, a private event is also a behavior, right? We talk about behaviors. A lot of behaviors we look at are, um, we could look at objectively and they're external and we could see them happening. Like I could agree like, oh, yeah she definitely just flicked him off, right? And Casey could be like, yeah, she did flick him off or she totally checked him out, whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. Private events are those events that are private to us as the individual. So having thoughts, as Chelsea's saying over here, like having self-deprecating thoughts or whatever it is, these are all private events. So private behaviors that only you can access. That take place within the skin, right? Within your body. Exactly. Just wanted to one-up you. Okay, keep going, (laughs) (laughs) Chelsea. But so, so what I did is I um, set up an, well, I operationally defined a self-deprecating comment because I was targeting specifically self-deprecation. Um, and I don't have the definition like on the top of my head, but I think I define it as any occurrence of me thinking I'm like less than or that I like am not beautiful or that I'm not smart, I'm not good enough, any of those types of thoughts. And each occurrence of those, I would then counteract that occurrence um, with me verbally saying out loud um, some sort of positive comment. So I made up a mantra for myself when I was like camping one day and it was like, I'm confident, I'm beautiful, I'm smart. So every time, and honestly, they were not just my private events. It was also if I vocally um, spoke it as well. Cause my friends knew about it. So if I said a self-deprecating comment, they were like, say your mantra. And yep. I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And then I would just say it out loud. Um, and if I was like in public, I would say it to myself. Um, if it wasn't like appropriate, but, right. um, I had like a clicker, I had data, I had graphs. Um, so it was really cool. Cause I did see a decrease in my self-deprecating comments and an increase in like the more positive comments towards myself. Um, That's so it was cool. a super cool project, the power of a verbal behavior. Come on guys. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And you're really doing like almost a, a differential reinforcement of an alternative behavior. Like mm-hmm. every time you have that negative behavior, you are, you know, 
engaging in an appropriate response yeah. that you want to see. We love. I'm sure you have, some reinf- <laughs> you have some reinforcement in there set up for yourself. I definitely did. I think like every week, if I saw, I think a decrease of like at least send ten self-deprecating comments or more, I would just like give myself a little treat that I typically don't get during the week. Nice. So it was a little delayed, um, but. Well, I, would, you know I would give myself a little pat on the back, basically, at the end of the week, like, okay, you awesome. did, you're doing good. <laughs> but there's also natural reinforcement that comes in with that, right? Mm-hmm. The idea of, like, you are slowly, you know, changing your thought process, like, at the end, and you're, like, not, it's, like, a little bit of negative reinforcement, not having to deal with those thoughts if you've been able to, you know, appropriately punish those thoughts, yeah. essentially, I guess. And there was also, like, a social reinforcement component, too, because my friends were all on board with me doing this, so, like... Every time Mm -hmm. that I would say my mantra, they'd be like, you know, giving me like verbal praise. So I was getting reinforcement all over the place. (laughs) Hey guys, Liat here. I wanted to give you guys a little bit of an update because I know a lot of you guys are freaking out about us switching over from the fourth edition to the fifth edition. Well, I wanted to let you know if you are purchasing the video bundles, which are out and you can study at your own pace, They are all updated for the fifth edition task list. So if you're freaking out and wondering, is it updated? It is. You could go to our website. You could get access to our collective video bundles. You could get one month access, two month access, or four month access. And it's all the fun and good shit we do in the collective, going over every concept in a real, raw, and relatable way while taking notes with you. You can get this on the website at studynotesaba.com. The one thing I want to add in is that, you know, you know, this like whole, like the cool way it's said today, I think is like, yeah, like we're vibing. Energy brings energy and whatever it is. But really what that is, is, you know, when you're feeling down or something or talking negatively to yourself, which results in you feeling down you attract that same energy because people also like, if you think about like imitation, like we imitate a lot what's around us, right? Like, so if someone's really upbeat, like you kind of got to keep up, you know, Mm -hmm. um, the same if someone's down and it's, it's almost like when you're down, you actually need someone who's the opposite. Like you need someone who's upbeat, but you're actually bringing in more of this energy, which kind of sucks, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah. Like, and suddenly on days that everything's good, like you just like see like, oh my God, one good thing after another. And it's like, it just follows each other. So there is that reinforcement that's happening, which is really cool. Absolutely. Yeah, that was so smart of you. (laughs) Casey, I'm like, (laughs) I'm like very introspective, sis. I've done a lot of therapy for the both of us. So, all right. So (laughs) yeah, you do. You include me in all your therapy sessions. I'm happy because I don't have a therapist right now. So at least some work's getting done. Right. All right. So that's super cool. And now you also, can you talk to us about your thesis? Yeah. Um, So how'd you get into that? You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Um, So when I, when I, when you first go to the UNT program, you're thrown to like all these lab options, which is really cool. So you kind of just like pick where you want to go, what you want to do. And I had had so much real experience with autism intervention that I kind of wanted to try something else. So I was super interested in the cultural behavior science lab, um, 
which at the time, I believe it was Dr. Tracy Sheehan and Dr. April Becker at UNT leading that lab. And I not only like loved the material, like learning about how people behave when there are multiple individuals behaving. Like that's the big thing about cultural analysis is just if there are many individuals and they're all behaving in some sort of way, what are these consequences? And then how is that affecting the shared environment of all these individuals? So it was cool to start like breaking that down and learning more about that because I mean, you guys read my thesis. There's a lot of stuff in there. There are big words and they don't make any sense. Like Mm -hmm. meta meta contingency and ethical self-control. So it really like the lab explained all these things. So I thought it was super cool. And honestly, like my thesis advisor, which is um, Dr. Sheehan, she is amazing. Okay. Like I remember like being at a behavioral event and she was like speaking to me and I was like, oh my God, I love this woman's energy. She's going to be my thesis advisor. And then it, it kind of just happened that way. So, um, for I'm going to call you insert. Oh, say I'm what? I'm call you insert. You insert yourself everywhere. I like oh. that about you. <laughs> I do. I do insert. My friends are going to laugh when they when they listen to this because I do. I do do that. No, I oh, like that about you. <laughs> Ambitious. I'm trying. But um, so I, I really appreciated her energy and just like her overall knowledge. So um, I started learning more about the lab and I eventually came across this paper. It was um, from Dr. Aisio Borba in Brazil. And he was actually at UNT for my first couple of years, which was really cool. But he did this research on a concept called ethical self-control in the cultural behavioral science field. And um, basically, like, kind of in, like, more lay terms, like, ethical self-control is basically when many individuals are behaving, how do we get those individuals to behave for the benefit of the group versus the benefit for themselves? So not acting selfishly, but looking at all of that self-control across many people. So it was a super cool concept. I was like really interested in the research and I took it to my professor and she was like, let's do it. So we spent, um, I think like, I've been into it since my first year, like into the research as a whole. I've been looking at the ethical self-control research for a while, but she actually got approved for sabbatical um, in May of this year. And typically you're supposed to have like a year to do your thesis. And she was like, we have to get this done in six months or or I'm not going to be able to do it until like next year. You'll have to stay for another year if you want to do this. And I was like, I want to do this. We're getting it done in six months. Let's go. And we somehow got this done in six months. We did like all the data collection, everything over like June and July. And then I had a lot of help um, from her and her PhD student. Um, And it was just like super, super cool and such a great experience. Like it was hard, (laughs) but it was it was good. Um, So I was super excited to have gotten to do that. It's over what? It's like 150 pages or something? It's like 100. There are a lot of graphs in there, okay? Lots of graphs, lots of tables. Okay. So you were taking the data, right? You had, so like maybe just give us a quick rundown of like the procedure, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, so basically, uh, I was looking at a meta contingency concept, so I'll kind of give an explanation of what that is. So when you're looking at a meta contingency, you're looking at 
the interlocks between many individuals behaving. So if one person behaves in a way that signals the SD for the next person to behave and then so on and so forth across many individuals. Mm -hmm. And then we take those interlocks of all those people behaving and it creates some sort of aggregate product. So it creates like an example that's really simple is like package delivering. Like one person has a package, they put something in the package, next person tapes the package, next person delivers the package. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of the day, you got your aggregate product, which is this finished package. And in the meta contingency, there is a cultural consequence, which then selects that entire process. So those, all those people behaving, the aggregate product of the package, we have these consumers that are then receiving and continuing to buy that package, which continues this loop of people continuing to purchase these packages and get them delivered to their door. So that's kind of like a small example of the meta contingency. So my experiment was on the ethical self-control concept within the meta contingency arrangement. And we did it on a matrix. So basically three people were in a room. They could see a computer and they could see a, a 10 by 10 matrix. It was just basically colored rows labeled one through 10, two colors per row. And they were basically told that they had to choose a row and then something would happen. They would get either one ticket or three tickets and you could earn money with those tickets. So you get money from receiving those tickets. But then there was also a donation sheet at the front of the matrix. So they were also told that if they got a stamp on the donation sheet, it earned them some money to be donated at a later time to some organization. Now, in my experiment, um, we did this ranking task prior to kind of do a preference assessment to kind of see what a good cultural consequence or what a good consequence mm -hmm. would be for this group of people. So we gave them a little preference assessment, basically, this ranking task. They got to rank all their organizations separately, one through 10, and then we added them all up and then picked the one that had the highest number between the three of them. And then that was their cultural consequence. So they were basically told, hey, you got to pick these rows. You can earn these things. And then they just had to start behaving in the group with each other and they had to talk and figure it all out. So they would start choosing rows and I would tell them, okay, you earned one ticket, you earned three tickets. They would immediately receive those. And then at the end of all three of them choosing one row, I would then tell them whether or not they earned the donation. And then once they kind of figured out, okay, if we only pick like this amount, like we're not going to get, we're not going to get this, this cultural consequence. Like, what are we going to do? And it was really cool to kind of see how their verbal behavior as well as their decision-making processes affected like obtaining these donations to these organizations. So it was super cool. That is, I mean, listening to you talk about that, it's so clear. <laughs> I mean, on, on things that I would never understand, like a meta contingency, <laughs> aggregate, prop, like whatever, but like the way you just broke that down, like in the sense of like picking a row and you get something and you have to figure out, right, the matrix to see, because they want, I mean, I would take it, they want to donate, they get the donation, right? Well, yeah, and that's another thing is like, that's the whole, that, I mean, that's the whole concept, I guess, is like seeing whether or not they're going to choose money for themselves or the donation to the organization, mm -hmm. um, which was a big thing with like the preference assessment. We wanted to assess their preference to see if 
it was reinforcing enough getting those donations to those specific organizations that they call all kind of had interest in. Mm -hmm. Um, And if that would be a strong enough reinforcer to keep them from choosing money for themselves and to instead benefit the group and choose and get the donations. So it was super cool. So I'm thinking of this like right now in the world, like does this have anything to do with like getting the vaccine or not? Like, so uh, <laughs> I love that question. Okay, cause um, I, yeah, because New Hampshire is like spiking. Like we have always been low, and we are like the hottest red dot on the map right now. And yeah, I and I know Leon and I have been interviewing people too, and it's an in-person like shipping thing. And the two interviewees were both refused to take the job because they didn't want to get vaccinated. And I'm not making this a debate of whether to do it or not, but is that yeah. kind of a socio-cultural behavior? Yes, I actually do mention that in the introduction of my thesis, I do talk about COVID. I decided not to use it as an actual example because the COVID example does get a little complicated within Mm -hmm. like the meta contingency arrangement because there's this other thing, it's called a macro contingency, which is where there's multiple individuals behaving within a shared environment, but their behaviors are not interlocked. So if, if Casey you decide to wear a mask, Liat decides to wear a mask, and I decide not to wear a mask. Those are all individuals' behaviors, but they might have an effect on the social environment because, like, what if one of us has COVID and we're not wearing our mask or we don't have our vaccine? Mm -hmm. So we do talk about, like, things like that too. And I would love if, like, somehow, some way, eventually we figure out how we can get people to, like, wear masks and get vaccinated and Mm -hmm. choose that consequence that's going to benefit everybody and kind of themselves themselves. at the same time. Yeah, Yeah, like, (laughs) um, but that's definitely a topic that we've discussed within these like big world problems that we're trying to tackle within the cultural behavior science field. That's so cool. It's super cool. I'm like a nerd for all of it. I know. It's so funny. It's so cute. No one can see you, but I get and you're like just smiling. And I'm like, who gets this excited about a thesis? I mean, I guess it's something you spend like so much time on, so you should be. But I like have talked to so many people who are like, miserable going through this process and you're like ah like lighting up like an angel over there my thesis advisor said the exact same thing she was like honestly she's like you're like you're reinforcing me right now like Mm -hmm. for like with your energy she was like I have never seen someone so happy during the whole thesis process and I was like girl let me tell you I mean you saw me when I was not okay and now I'm over here and I'm just like cloud nine (laughs) that is awesome so did you did you already defend it yeah, no, I defended it and I passed. Yeah. On, oh my gosh. Uh, I think it was like the week before we were originally supposed to record. I think it was like the 22nd okay. of November. Oh my God. Congratulations. I am freshly so I, passed. Yeah. I have a question for you. Okay. First of all, congrats. Second of all, I don't know if I'm picking up the wrong vibe, but what do you want to do once you get your BCBA? Are you wanting to work in a clinic or are you wanting to work more in? research, making big changes. I, I I don't know if I'm picking up that vibe, but I'm feeling like maybe that's where you want to go. I have, oh, it's such a hard question. I have so many things that I want to do within this freaking field. Okay. Cause I love what I do with my kids. Like what I'm planning to do is definitely immediately go into autism intervention still and go into clinical work when I do get my B, um, CBA. I plan to immediately do that because like I currently work with um, 
people that have some more severe behaviors like physical aggression, self-injurious behavior. And I've really enjoyed my work with that and being able to help those families and those kids um, and help increase that functional communication in those different types of behaviors that they can use in replacement of those. Um, so I've loved that area and I want to continue my work in that. I also love my thesis and I would love to continue the research on that too. So I'm a little torn right now. I am thinking about going back to the, to get my PhD, but I haven't like made the decision yet, but I'm taking a break. It's been eight years. I'm taking a break. <laughs> You deserve it. And I feel like just like seeing how much you light up over this, like you do need to be doing that. That's what I'm saying. Like I just, and the field needs people like you Mm -hmm. to do this and, and be lit up about it because we, I say it over and over, but like we have such poor marketing as a field in terms of what we do beyond just working like a, you know, autism. Not that that's not the most important thing ever. And like, amazing work but to show like holy shit we could solve really big fucking problems really big problems with this science yeah and it's it's crazy and i'm i'm so glad i have been blessed to be able to be a part of such a diverse program and i know not everybody gets to do that there's a lot of programs out there that are aba centered um you're just focusing on what you're going to do with like you're looking at the cooper book you're figuring out autism intervention and, and that's the basis of what you're learning. But I mean, the big reason I wanted to even get on the podcast is like just to show all of these grad students that there's so much more potential for future work, for things outside of intervention to do things at the same time. Like you could be a BCBA and be like part-time autism intervention and part-time changing the freaking world. You could do all these cool st- things and like, I'm just glad that like nobody like gave up on me and I know that other people are struggling not only because of like COVID, but like, you know, behavior is hard and like some programs don't go in depth. So you're sitting for this exam, you're freaking out. You don't know if you know everything that you're supposed to know. And I just want people to know that you're not like the only one. Like, I think we're all struggling. Even I struggled, even in such a diverse program to even keep going because sometimes it just sucks. <laughs> yes. You got to get that positive reinforcement for yourself, baby. Like, <laughs> Right? We give it out all day, but we're not so great at doing it for ourselves. Right? I know. Isn't that crazy? Like, I think mm-hmm. about it all the time. I'm like, why am I doing this to myself right now? Right. Like, why do I, feel I love guilty? my kids. I got to yeah. love myself. Like, we got to do this and keep pushing. <laughs> you can't show up for your the kids if you're not showing up for yourself. Yeah, right? And that's like 100% accurate. So, and like, even like grad students too, like, y'all, we got to like give ourselves a break. And and also as a grad student, like, I know that there are some programs out there that are not like I, when you, when you said something about a lab, I'm like, what's, what do you, was she, in, where does she go that she gets to be in a lab? Like <laughs> I didn't have that at my grad program. Like, yeah. but if you are in the field, hopefully you are a, you know, a go-getter and like a, like a, an inserter. I'm going to use that word. Chelsea's an inserter. Insert yourself, right? Like find a passion and don't just play the victim of like, oh, my program sucks. Like you put, you have to put the work in, right? Like Chelsea sought out this advisor and was like, I want to do this. And like, so if you're feeling like that, like just try to take a note from Chelsea, who is just a light and someone that I think a lot of people are going to relate to that are listening because we have so many people going through the program and it's a struggle, right? You forget about family and social stuff for 
basically the whole time and you're working full time and in grad school and no one really understand it. So I'm so happy that you reached out and you were willing to share your story um, because it's- I'm sure so many people in the same position are, Mm -hmm. you know, listening and being like, I feel so heard right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just, it's a lot. It's yeah. a lot. Going to school, getting your hours, doing a thesis in your spare time, you know, like when you're not in class. What spare cool, time? Like, <laughs> yeah. <what's, laughs> wait, no, you rock climb. That's spare time. But you're, again, insane. Honestly, and though, listening, like, Oh, no, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I was going to say, what is your Instagram? Because if anyone's out there listening and they want to go look at her, because I'm not joking, these videos will – just inspired you because you're like, how the hell is she doing it? What is your yeah, angle? Yeah, no, it's uh, okay, like literally O and then K and then Chell Chell. Okay, Chell Chell. Chell Chell. C-H-E-L-C-H-E-L? Yes. Okay, Chell Chell. Like <laughs> you have to say it like that. Yeah. Catch me at Okay, Chell Chell. Let's go. Hey. <laughs> I love it. Well, Chelsea, thank you so much for being our guest. We are so excited for you that you passed. So I guess that the rhyme was wrong because it's not on the line. You already defended it. So yeah, it's it's yay. I pass you too. It's on the line for publication. We're we're looking Ooh. over that in the next year. Awesome. So when go when do it. you finish? When do you finish your program? I finish officially in May. In May. Yep. Okay. Got a couple we'll more see things you to in the out. summer collective then. <laughs> and I'll see you guys at ABAI. Oh, you're going to go? <laughs> oh, I'm going. I'm presenting. I'm going to do a poster on my thesis. <gasps> you're amazing. Not even a BCBA and going to conferences. That's what it's about. That's what I was doing when I was in RBT. Going to conferences. Go like, get, to conferences. They're go learn. Get an Airbnb with me. (laughs) (laughs) If anyone needs to reach out to Chelsea and you need a place to stay, um, you guys could be roomies. And then we'll have a behavior bitches meetup and it's going to be so much fun. (laughs) So I get to meet you in person and hug you. I'm so excited. Let's go. (laughs) Awesome. All right, Chelsea, you're awesome. And thank you again for being our guest. Thank you, guys. I appreciate y'all for having me. Of course. Thank you. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. You know where to find us. You could find us on Instagram at Behavior Bitches Podcast, on Facebook at Behavior Bitches Podcast, on our website, behaviorbitches.com. That's where you can contact us too with a topic if you want to come on or you know someone else or just send us some love. That's all we have for you today. So as always, love ya. Mean it. Hey guys, it's Liat. And Casey. We just want to take a second to let you know that if you're thinking of being a millennial like us and starting your own podcast, there is a way. You can do your show without having to become an audio editing and production wizard. Because guess what? We don't know shit with that. But we have Alan at Pretty Easy Podcast who helped us get started he records our shows he posts them he adds awesome awesome music and cool shit when we don't even know what he's doing he sends us teaser episodes he does it all we just sit here and friggin' talk we shoot the shit and you can record from home your office the park a bathroom stall at work it doesn't matter he provides the complete podcast studio all you need is a microphone and you're good Alan caters to your schedule and gives you a producer for your show at your beck and call. He has been super flexible with our schedule. Whenever we need him, we go to Google Calendar. We just book him and he does all the hard work. It's like so incredibly easy. That's why it's probably called Pretty Easy Podcast. 
So be heard and have some fun podcasting like us. Go to prettyeasypodcast.com today. Mm-hmm. 